Hey, fabulous listeners. Today's guest is Ruth Stewart. Ruth is a fireball from the UK who reached out to me to be on the show, and I'm so glad she did. She's an outspoken woman who is all about sharing and living in your truth. We had a wonderful conversation about how Ruth is showing up in her life unfiltered. I hope you find it inspiring and entertaining, just like I did. Enjoy. Hey friends, you're listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. I'm your host, Desiree Wool. I've got something to say, you've got something to say, so let's get talking. I, I think the slightly unfiltered bit was what attracted me. I have spent most of my life being quite unfiltered, and I'm trying to be more filtered, obviously, more uh I suppose, have a few sort of uh, restraints on myself. But yeah, I think the idea of being slightly unfiltered, especially as a woman, I think is really liberating. And the idea of talking to other women and talking about women, especially in the workplace, has always really attracted me just because I, I suppose you could say I've worked in what's perceived to be a, a female-centric profession anyway, because my background is in education. So um, I think for me, being able to talk about the history of my career in terms of the aspects of queerness that I've been able to show or not show, uh, as it were, I think that's probably what really attracted me. And the idea of just talking to other people about um, being an adult and being working and being a woman in the workplace as well. That I think that right there, being a woman in the workplace, it, it, that could take on a whole life of its own of a conversation. <laughs> and we just don't have enough time for therapy for that today. So Yes, absolutely. Yes, this is only a 30-minute show, and that could probably go on for hours. Okay, so let's, let's talk about being, being queer in the workplace. It was interesting to me because your workplace is a sensitive place Anyways, so tell everybody where you were working. Um, I started my teaching career as a high school teacher and I used to work in uh, Catholic schools. Yeah, gasp, clutching pearls. (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, and I, you know, the reason I did it is because obviously I was raised Catholic, so I was used to Catholic schools. So for me, it was actually, weirdly, a return to a structure and... I guess, a routine that was familiar to me. So it felt safe in that way. But also I was kind of entering the lion's den in terms of having to actively closet myself, which is basically what I did for the first many years of my career, obviously since I was working in schools. And then um, there was a clause uh, in the UK that Margaret Thatcher introduced in the 80s, which prevented teachers from, uh, I think the word they used was promoting a homosexual lifestyle. Like, I know. Like, like you've I was got gonna, your advertisements out there and you know, join us. Like, <laughs> like I was going to come in with a, with a banging a drum and having a float behind me and like trumpets Everybody and say, clear. come on kids. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, having grown up in, in these um, really restrictive times, I knew it was, if I wanted the job, I would necessarily have to commit to certain aspects of being a Catholic teacher at a Catholic school that kind of went against my life. So for, for a while, I was really living two lives. So I would 
turn up and teach uh, during the week and be uh, a good Catholic teacher and take part in all the assemblies and go to mass and all that stuff. And then at the weekends, I would go out to the gay village in Manchester and be completely wild for two days. And then you'd return to that life again, you know? The secret life of teachers gets even and, deeper. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. Teachers are wild. They are wild. And I think that's what makes the profession so much fun because you gather such a diverse group of people together and you're all working towards a common goal, which is great. But within that, of course, there's a whole infrastructure and society and hierarchy all, all of itself. So I knew that as a brand new teacher, if I wanted to get anywhere, I had to not be gay, I suppose. How does that, how do you not be gay? When, when, you're, when you're comfortable with, with being gay in your private life, do you have to censor yourself, especially when you're working in education and then throw on, you know, the religion aspect of it as well? How hard was it to, to have to censor yourself and, and kind of live that duo life? Oh, well, I mean, I was doing it at home as well because, you know, my, my, par my parents and I had never had a conversation about being gay. So uh, if people knew, nobody said anything about it. And, you know, this is, this is kind of what the 90s was like for me. It was just constantly like, uh, my, you know, my mother would be like, my daughter's a career girl, which then became a euphemism for gay. So uh, any end of those, you know, she's a single independent woman, gay. Um, she, she likes to lead her own, she likes to lead her own path and take her own way in life, gay. You know, there's so many clues that were there, but I think, um, and I'm not wishing to make generalized, blanket generalizations about religion, but I think a lot of religions are more than happy to ignore stuff that's facing them because they don't want to deal with it. So to all intents and purposes, I was the uh, career driven teacher in our family who was single and didn't have time for relationships and, um, you know, had a lot of gay friends and oddly enough used to go clubbing to gay clubs, but we, we never talked about that. So we'd be in the staff room on Monday and people would be like, so how was your weekend? And I'd be like, it was great. <laughs> that was it. You know, it was brilliant. I went out with friends. That was it. We, that, I certainly wasn't kissing girls or anything. You know, it was really yeah. rid ridiculous if you if you wrote about that sort of stuff now or you presented it on television or something like that people would find it really funny because you had to kind of actively hide parts of yourself man that that's when it's like that's when you really start to get that urge of i got to fucking tell somebody <laughs> and it was just i mean kids aren't stupid so yeah. they and, and a lot of kids are way more intelligent than adults give them credit for and I know for a fact that there were kids who would probably have really enjoyed being able to talk to somebody about gay stuff yeah you know Absolutely. or anything yeah. and I think um I mean, my own personal feelings about education are that in terms of if we're going to educate kids, then we need to emotionally and socially educate them as well as academically educate them. And all the pastoral care, I think it, we, we have a responsibility to prepare kids to go into the world where gay people do exist. And now it's completely different. I mean, uh, Scotland, for instance, is introducing LGBTQ history into their curricula, which That's I think awesome. is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I'm only, you know, crossing fingers that other countries follow suit, but 
yeah, as I, I think for a lot of us, we tend to balance our queerness and our place uh, in our working life. Some of us are able to be out from the get-go. Um, some of us aren't. Some of us don't want to be. Yeah. Um, so it really is a personal thing. I don't think it's a blanket thing, but for me, it was really a case of maintaining a certain safety that I knew I wouldn't have if I was the gay teacher. Well, and that brings up a really good point. At what, at, at what kind of stage do you realize that not coming out is the smarter choice or, and maybe not even smarter, but just the choice that you have to make? Is, is there a point when you have to be like, okay, it, it's best for me not to come out at work? Um, yes, and I think a lot of it really depends on what environment you've had around you in your formative years so that you can then judge perspectives on this is a safe place and these are safe people and these are allies um, uh, or this is unsafe for me to be here. Unfortunately, and this is still the case today, a lot of the time, you don't know whether someone's an ally or not until you're already out to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I think I'm quite lucky in that I don't have to make any statements anymore because, you know, if I go out, I'm with my wife and it's pretty obvious that we're a couple. So, uh, <laughs> you know, which is, which again, it, it's, it, that's a new thing for me because I'm so used to, um, having to hide and being out at work is absolutely amazing. I worked with some amazing people back in England who were just uh, really open-minded and wonderful. And I, I know that the workplace really has changed a lot in, in quite a short space of time, really. But yeah, back in the 90s, it was a kind of, a, especially as a new teacher, you don't want to be the one making demands and you don't be the, yeah. want to be the one causing trouble. And, you know, to bring things like sexuality into your role as a teacher in a Catholic school was just kind of, <laughs> unheard of really <laughs> yeah talk about talk about breaking the rules right there how oh did, yeah how so how did you how did you meet your wife if you don't mind me asking well we met on the internet oh I you know it. like like good lesbians do yes um, <laughs> well we we actually met on the internet and just started chatting as you do and I do this uh I do this quite a lot because I like to write and I like to share fiction with people uh so I I tend to chat with people quite a lot and, you know, we often say to each other, our first conversation was about tea. I mean, can you, uh, can you find anything less <laughs> thrilling, romantic, exciting? Our first conversation was about tea. And from that, we just really liked each other. So we became best friends. And then she spent some time with me in England. And um, then we decided to get married. I love that. And she offered me a brand new life in Canada, which of course I couldn't turn down. I was just going to say, what brought you to Canada? Is that, is that, was that part of where she's from or just the new adventure? Yes, yeah, she's actually from a, um, a small town in the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. And uh, we live just in the suburbs outside the city. Um, <laughs> she's shouting at me from the kitchen right now. Uh, <laughs> So we're, yeah, we decided to, she's, she's from here and you know what? Canada is a really nice place to live. I, I really like it. It has its own problems. Obviously every country does, but to be honest, looking back at the UK now, I'm like, that was a narrow escape. 
funny, I had an old job that had a Canadian office. So I would travel up to Canada a couple times a year. And every time I go up there, I was like, you are my people. This is where <laughs> I belong. And they're like, Desiree, we want you. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> they're very seductive that way. They'll, they'll seduce you with friendliness, you know. Um, Absolutely love it. It's, well, the thing is, people say that. On, and I know that, you know, lately we've been seeing that there are nasty people and unpleasant people everywhere. And there certainly are some in Canada. But on the whole, um, they're quite, an, I mean, Toronto is the most diverse city in the world. So I'm quite lucky to be, to be living in a place that, is a bit more open-minded, I think, than a lot of others. Yeah, I, I had to do something while I was waiting for my uh, immigration paperwork to come through, which took forever. Um, so yeah, there's a time, a time period, of course, when you can't work. And I've always, I, I've written on and off since I was uh, probably about seven years old. Um, my mom was a librarian, so I think she was instrumental in encouraging me to have a love of language. So. I've always written things here and there, but yes, uh, I've written two books. One is YA-ish and the other is um, adult romance. One is set in Canada and one is set in Manchester in the UK, which is my old stomping ground. Awesome. Where could people find those if they wanted to pick up a copy? They can't because they've not been published, Desiree. See, we need <laughs> yeah. to get that published. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um, I'm ready, actually, and interested to start looking for some help. So a literary agent who could guide me towards a publisher. I think it's it's a growing market. I think the queer market is is really in demand right now. People and it, it, you know it runs the gamut from kids books to um, queer romance to I don't know cop stories. And there's just so many different kinds of genres there where queer characters are front and center. So. Um, I've been looking for an outlet to get mine published because I, I think it's something that people probably want to read. Well, this you know is what? set in Canada, so, it's, you know. Yeah, and it's about damn time. It's about time that queer characters become more common and more familiar. Um, you know, I, I want my children in my, you know, standard family, my typical family of a man, a woman, and, and two kids, to be comfortable with reading characters that aren't exactly the way they are. And, and yeah. I, I think it's so important that it just becomes the way just conversation is and, and anybody should be able to pick up a book and have the characters, you know, something that they can relate to or something that they Absolutely. learn from. Well, I know, I mean, I know that imagination is a, a massive part of writing, but um, one of the basic tenets of writing is to write about what you know, and that's not a direct experiential transitioning there. It's more really write about the feelings or what it's like to grow up gay or what it's like to be a teenager in Manchester or, um, you know, what it's like to live and own a little coffee shop in, in the beaches in Canada. And I think it's, it's all about contextualizing these genres of novels that are led by heterosexual characters and just basically giving people the same thing but just with gays instead um, so there's nothing honestly my my novel i would read it there's nothing it's it's not gonna win the pulitzer prize although i'd, I'd love it if it did um <laughs> but it's really more i would say it's more just kind of the kind of hallmarky romance stuff that we wish we could see with gay characters in. Um, and I would, um, what, you know, I always say one of my ambitions is to write gay hallmark movies. And it's funny because, you know, who wouldn't want to write gay hallmark movies, right? But on the other hand, there aren't any. 
Yeah. We don't have, at Christmas time, when they start showing the Christmas movies repeatedly, mm-hmm. one after the other, there's no gay ones at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really reinventing the wheel in terms of writing. I'm not offering anybody um, anything that, that's going to break barriers or they're going to say, oh, this is innovative. I'm giving people um, what they want to read with gay characters who have the same complex journeys and emotions as other characters, straight characters do. Um, and, I, you know, I'm really happy with that. And I'd, I'd really like to get into the romance, queer romance writing, actually, because I think it's a massive unplumbed genre. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I don't think I don't think it always has to be innovative. I think sometimes just writing about what people are already going through and things that they can relate to on a personal level, we need more of that to be mainstream. Mm. And yeah. I think I think that's huge. So you know, you you may say it may not be innovative and something people haven't done before, but it needs to be done more. Oh, I agree. And I, I you know. It's not that I'm saying, oh, read my stuff. It's vastly different to everybody else's. The difference really is in, I guess, the parts of me that I put into it and the writing style and maybe the way I use language. I don't know. I mean, people tell me I'm a good writer, which I I enjoy hearing. (laughs) And I know that when I have shared uh, original stuff with people, you know, the feedback's been pretty good. So I think it's just a case of uh, putting your voice out there and creating characters that people want to read about and stories that people like. And, um, you know, just sharing your ideas with somebody in a really positive way. I mean, I I say I've written two novels, but one of them is part of a series. And I'm like, oh, I could I could got four different stories out of this. So it's not like it's just a one off. It's something that I'm really planning on doing. But uh, obviously nobody pays you to write books at home unfortunately that'd be the most amazing job ever let's, get you, let's get you that damn agent so if anybody's listening <laughs> yes, please, hey, that would ruth, be amazing. Needs, ruth needs a literary agent if there's anyone out there listening <laughs> <laughs> all right you ready for some rapid fire questions oh my god am i yes go have on. you had your tea this morning <laughs> you know what my brother-in-law calls me a traitor to my nation because i actually prefer coffee Yay! Don't tell anyone. No, no, just the whole world that's listening. That's all. Oh, God. I, I'm a coffee junkie. So whenever I go, whenever I talk to somebody, um, you know, who's, who's British or they're like, no, I don't drink coffee. And I'm like, oh, how do you wake up in the morning? I know my wife is like that about tea. It's weird. She is the tea drinker in the family. I, I think she's actually part British, but, um, you know, <laughs> can't have everything, I suppose. <laughs> all right, let's go. Who is someone either in your personal life or a celebrity that you admire? Ooh, um, do you know what? I have uh, a couple of friends back in Britain that I've known for about 20 plus years. One of them is called Michaela and she is a single parent and she's absolutely amazing. She works for a library service and she does these really motivational little videos on Facebook. And I just find looking at her face really inspiring because she always takes such care over the way she looks and she's always smiling and she has a great accent as well. Um, the other person is a lady called Gloria who works for the NHS and I am just automatically putting her into hero slash goddess status because she works for the National Health Service in the UK and I know that she's been quite busy lately. Just a little, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's one thing that really pisses you off? Lack of manners. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I, my wife has literally had to hold me back before now because somebody was rude. It, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, that chaps my hide too. What's your favorite swear word? <laughs> I quite like fuck not. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good one. If you could share one piece of advice for women everywhere, what would it be? Don't listen to the negative things men will tell you. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and then complete this sentence. Being slightly unfiltered to me means... Standing up for yourself when nobody else will and making sure that your decisions are yours alone. Oh, that's a good one. This has been such an awesome conversation. It's been you, great. I've really you enjoyed shared, it. You, you shared your Twitter handle with me. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ruth Can T-O, which is just R-U-T-H-C-A-N-T-O. And I think my name on Twitter at the moment is Roostu. Roostu. Yeah. Uh, the link to Ruth's Twitter will be in the show notes. So click on that and connect with Ruth on Twitter. And we will be looking for your books getting published, hopefully within, you know, a short time. So we'll I'll send you a, you a free copy then. That would be amazing. Autographed, <laughs> please. Of course, of course. Ruth, thank you so much for joining me on Slightly Unfiltered. Uh, I hope to have you back again so we can get those books promoted. Great stuff. I'd love that. Thanks a lot, Desiree. It's been thank wonderful you. to talk to you. I just love you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. You can find me and all things Slightly Unfiltered at slightlyunfiltered.com or on Instagram. Be sure to go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Until next time, you badass bitches.